gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey there, welcome to episode 232 of the Hall of Justice. I'm Seth Everett. I'm so glad that you've subscribed. So glad that you're listening and you're going to have so much fun with this guy today. We have so many cool things to talk about. Uh, This is the first of a handful of podcasts that we are going to be talking about a brand new movie uh, in the DC universe. The Warner Brothers animation folks, uh, they are in the DC universe and they have this new film called Justice Society World War II. And we have Hawkman. But This is also the week where we celebrated Star Wars Day. I mean, May the 4th was just as week. He's the dude that did the experiments on Grogu, on Baby Yoda. We are thrilled to talk to Omid Abtahi and find out all the inside scoops about everything that is going on, not only in Justice Society, Star Wars, his whole career. He's been in Homeland, American Gods. There's so many things to talk to him about. Omid, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the Hall of Justice. Oh, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. First of all, welcome to uh, the podcast and congratulations on all your success. I want to start it off with with Hawkman. Uh, What was it like uh, being this comic book character and how tied into comic books were you before you took on this role? Because this is this is an iconic low. People had figures of this guy. And now here he is brought to life in a new animated feature. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are all very good questions. And uh, and I and anytime I do these interviews, I like to speak truthfully. Um, like I my extensive comic book uh, passion kind of kind of drifted off in probably my freshman or sophomore year in high school. Uh, and it was with like I think that that one issue where Superman died mm-hmm. and it was a, I think it was a black cover and I was totally emotionally attached and distraught. And I kind of drifted away from comics and went more into sports. So when this project came along, uh, I really had to do my work and do a lot of research and familiarize myself with uh, with uh, with the DC universe. Uh, well, I mean, and this, you know, same with Marvel DC. It's like I, I would have to familiarize myself with it. So that being said, when I first looked at the picture of Hawkman, I was like, whoa, this guy is. This guy is the guy who stands in the back of the class picture. He's huge. And like me, I'm like, you know, pretty, pretty petite guy. So it was a little bit of, it was a little bit intimidating, but um, the more I read about Hawkman and the more I read about his backstory and his different iterations and how he, you know, lives many lives and then has access to all those lives that he lived. uh, I started to connect more and more to the soul of the character. Um, and so what I wanted to bring, you know, with the voice, uh, was wisdom, 
uh, calm. Uh, definitely, he had that 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 those those primal you know rage issues that he has. Um, but yeah, I just I just I was really I was really attracted to 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 the wisdom that he brought to the group, and it seemed very different energetically what he brought than from anybody else. Yeah, the the one thing for team ups, you know. You know, I'm a little older than you. So when I, you know, I'm a super friends guy, you know, and it's funny that you mentioned you got out of comics with the death of Superman. I was a freshman in college and I got asked to cover for the campus TV station. I got asked to cover the death of Superman. And that's when I found out that comics were for adults. And so oh. you literally <laughs> passed a baton to me. There you go. You stopped reading it. And that, that's when I started. So I, I see the, 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 the issue. But what, what, what I've learned from studying animation over the years is it is a challenge to the writing staff to make sure that if you have an ensemble like that, especially in something that's so action heavy, to be able to give each character its own voice and to have something that you could do with the character, that's really a testament to this film because there's seven heroes in this on screen at all times. And yet you feel like you understand each one of them. Yes, I mean, and I think the, the, the credit goes to the writers and, and the directors and, and Wes Gleason, who was the voice director. Uh, you know, I watching the movie, I felt like everybody had their time. Uh, it didn't have to be completely even, but, I, you know, I thought, especially Hawkman had two scenes where really, it really opened up the window to who this person really was beyond the, you know, the butt-kicking aspect of, of who he is. So, um, yeah, the credit, I would have to, it has to go to the writers for that. The other aspect of this is your background. And, mm. you know, I've seen interviews that you have done in the past. You're very, you know, you're very proud of your background as you, as you should be. But Hawkman has a very unique background. You mentioned the multiple lives. A lot of that has Middle Eastern ties. Is there, did you see a kinship to Hawkman? If you couldn't embody him in physicality, I mean, let's be honest, I couldn't either. Uh, but, but what about the idea that you could bring an aspect of your background to, in essence, his background? Sure, yeah, yeah. Him being, his, his very, you know, him being a Prince Khufu originally and having that Egyptian you know, connection with Egypt. Um, and I'm, I'm Iranian. So it's like in the ballpark, you know, we're all Middle Eastern. So yeah, I was definitely, once I found that about, once I found out that Hawkman had that kind of, you know, backstory, it just, I mean, it just, it's completely psychological, but it allowed me to, to connect to him uh, more so than I would if he didn't have, if he was just Carter Hall and there was no, you know, Prince Khufu in the background. What about uh, the idea that you've been in shows that have these massive fan bases? Like, yeah, I mean, Mandalorian was was nuts. You were in Homeland, uh, you know, that every episode of Homeland was water cooler like that. They, they talk about this. <laughs> what about playing these iconic roles and just seeing your career evolve? And I, I read something where you, you know, in the beginning of your career, you were taking on, you know, driver number two and like like little roles and now you're starting to see you know positions of some weight for lack of a better phrase putting weight to the roles yeah no i and i appreciate you saying that yeah i gotta like being part of these franchises you know whether it's star wars or you know the dc universe or you know hunger games or homeland 24 was a big one too yep 24 um 
I knew if uh, I skip one, I'm gonna get. Yeah, no, I just 24 is like was the was my first my introduction for the first time to being in something that was such such a part of pop culture. Like literally, I remember walking down the street and some woman veered through like oncoming traffic to pull over to tell me how much she loved me on 24. And I was like, whoa, you almost just, you risked your life to tell me that. And I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Um, so do me a favor. Don't ever do that for anyone else. Please don't do that. Please. <laughs> I'll help you turn this car around into, into traffic. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just so cool. I mean, I, I can't like, it's when you're part of something that like people from all walks of your, like all parts of your life call you up, like my you know, my PE teacher in ninth grade called me up about Mandalorian. And I'm oh, like, God. wow, you remembered me. Like, it's like, <laughs> you know, like friends who I've, you know, for, for, we were friends since like third grade. They were like, oh, I saw you, you know, in Hunger Games or whatever, you know, like, and it's just, it, it, it brings people like that were, you know, in part of my life at some point or another, like it just, it reconnects me with them. And I think that's probably the coolest part for me. Hey guys, it's Susan Eisenberg. Some of you may recognize my voice from Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, where I voiced Wonder Woman. And I'm here because Seth was gracious enough to let me come and promote my new business. It's called SoapCon Live, and it's a Comic-Con for soap operas. So if you're like me and you're a huge soap opera fan, go to SoapConLive.com. We're going to be featuring virtual free live panels on May 1st with some of your favorite soap stars from General Hospital, As the World Turns, One Life to Live, and The Doctors. So visit our website, SoapConLive.com, to find out how you can watch the panels and order meet and greets, autographs, and video greetings from your favorite soap stars. And stay tuned. what you're noticing now and people say this is this golden age of media right like yeah television and streaming and and the films are, are are just incredibly made but in this genre they are made by people who are fans you know you yes. could argue you know richard donner made a hell of a, a superman movie but richard donner wasn't the superman fan every person who works on that show superman and lois or the people who write the dc universe animated movies like these guys are fans right. and when you are able to take that into adulthood there's this gravity to the plot like it just seems like the programming is getting better because the people writing it grew up playing with action figures as opposed to like that was never conceptualized in the 70s and 80s Right. Yeah. It's a very, it's very much part of their DNA. Yeah. Like, and, and I, I agree with you, the products, the product just keeps getting better and better for the most part. No, it's, it, it's wild. Um, Justice Society. I don't want to spoil this. We're going to do a full review on the podcast in a couple of weeks, but I want people to get a chance to see it. So I don't want to go through uh, this, this, you know, I don't, I don't want to give away, you know, the, the end of it and the plot and all those things, mm -hmm. but there's a, there's a key moment, I think, in this whole thing, and again, I'm not giving the spoilers away, we, we do that a lot on this podcast, okay. um, where where uh, there's a conversation between uh, Black Canary and the Red and, and Hawkman, mm -hmm. where they're saying, "I can't believe nobody remembers us." Like they, right. they they were they were what are we doing this for? And it's it it was this 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 drama 
that you saw from these characters where literally you're hanging on that. And then knowing what I know about animation, A, you're not in the same room with these people. And B, that is drawn six to eight months later after you guys act that out. Uh, take us through the emotion of, there are some key emotional moments in this film that you're literally in a room by yourself. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's and that's a hundred percent true. And and that that I I mean, and I I'm not the only actor who will do it. But the credit credit goes to our voice director, who is also our casting director, which uh, Wes Gleason. And so he and, and the way I describe it to people who are not familiar with voiceovers, it's like if we're just, you know, like each actor is a star, he's the, the guy who draws the line between the stars. And when you can step back, you see the constellation and you see what really the overarching you know, story is. So it's, it was very much a theme of in West we trust. So like, mm. I, was, I was like, you guide me, I'll, I'll provide the voice. And, and very much like a conductor, we will, we'll, I'll follow your lead. Um, and so, I mean, that being said, I was, when I saw the movie, I was blown away by how how much chemistry Alicia, who plays Black Canary, yeah. and I had, having never met her. Um, <laughs> That's wild. And I, I, you know, I'd love the relationship between Hawkman and Black Canary. And I, you know, it's one of those things that always leaves you wanting more. And I think when you're left wanting more, then, you know, we've, we've done our job. So I was, I was very, very happy with it. It's, uh, it, it's something. And uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. You know, about six months ago here on the podcast, these DC Universe films were just so um, we, 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 we did a podcast where we ranked them. Mm -hmm. And what we realized was number 39 is not a crappy movie like they are. There's a there's a level of quality to these Warner Brothers films. And it's one thing to say what your favorites are. Right. But you're in such esteemed company. Had you seen any of the other DC Universe movies? And did you know the standards in which the reputation for DC and the reputation for animation lies with this group? Like, they make some serious movies here. Yeah, I mean, that's something I've come to learn. No, I, I hadn't seen any uh, uh, prior to this. And, and I just kind of like started, you know, watching some online. But when I when I do that, it just it's really hard for me as an actor. When I listen to other people's voices, really? I'm very sensitive to it. So like I had to stop doing that. But I was fully aware. I had friends who were, you know, I wasn't allowed to tell people I was working on this at the time. Oh. <laughs> so like it's not like I could go to friends. I would and imagine like, hey. that was in some other things that you were working on. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you're kind of I kind of felt like I wasn't on, on an island. But once I was able to talk about it, and I have friends who are such fans of DC and, and the work they've done in their animated on the animated side of it who filled me in and like uh, and had kind of shared their passion with me and I've kind of has uh, and I've kind of like leached onto it a little bit I don't want to be a uh, Mr. Depressing but you didn't have a premiere for this right like COVID kind of prohibited any of that did you what you saw it in your in your house like saw it by yourself were you even able to no, call somebody on a phone or do a zoom or something no i i, I saw i the first time uh, we got a link to it to, to uh -huh. so we can screen it before we do any of the the press for it right and i was just sitting in my living room watching it and uh my, my no what, what doesn't so this is i mean yes it seems like it sucks yeah. but what doesn't suck is my five-year-old son came up to me and he's like daddy like what are you watching what is that 
And I, I, I kid you not, I got tears in my eyes and it was the Hawkman Black Canary scene. And I'm like, I turned to him and I'm like, that's daddy. And it felt so <laughs> good to, to say that. And his face awesome. lit up and he smiled. And I couldn't get that in any fancy schmancy premiere. So, yeah, no, you're right. you know, I would like to have both, you know, point. best of so both worlds. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. It is like, it's just, and now my son thinks I'm, you know, cool. And that, and that feels good. And that's uh, not going to last forever, as any parent would know. <laughs> well, just make sure he's not with you when you're crossing the street when cars are coming at you. Yeah, no, definitely not. No, he'll get that real quick. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, you'll see an angry version of me real quick if anyone tries to run over my son. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, you referenced you weren't allowed to tell anybody you were in this until you know it was it was announced. Um, what was it like finding out that you were going to be in Star Wars, and when you find this out and can't tell anybody? What kind of unique form of torture is that? Uh, it's so hard. It is, <laughs> it is, it is, it's so hard because it's one of those things you just want to get up, get up on the top of the highest mountain and scream it to the world. Right. Um, and maybe I could have done that and nobody could have heard me anyways. But like, <laughs> but this, I was, I was, the story of me getting that project, I was in, uh, in Toronto, I was working on American Gods on the second mm -hmm. season and I wasn't happy at that time. We had a change in showrunners and they weren't really on the new, the new writing team wasn't quite understanding my character and the storyline. And so, you know, I just was spending a lot of time alone in Toronto. And one night, it was a Friday night, I remember, and it was 1 a.m. and I was probably on my second REM cycle. And I get this call from my agent. And I was like, what? Like, I'm just, I'm completely knocked out. And I'm like, okay, if you get a call at 1 a.m. from your agent, it can mean it's one of two things. It's either really bad, <laughs> right. which is where the actor's mind goes to, like mm -hmm. we're going to get fired from the show we're on, or two, something that's really, really good that I can't wait till the morning. And so I answered it, and I was very tired and very much like, you know, just adults and Snoopy or whatever. They're like, my agent was like, blah, 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 Untitled John Favreau Project. I was like, I'm sorry, say it one more time. <laughs> He's like, blah, 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 untitled John Favreau. And I was just Googling it with one eye open. And I was like, and I, you know, there was an article about the untitled John Favreau being a Star Wars project. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, did you, are you talking about the Star Wars project? He's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, they want me to audition for it? He's like, no, no, they're offering it to you. Oh my God. I was like, I was like, get out of here. I was like, I was like, I was like, Michael is my agent. I was like, Michael, I'm going to hang up the phone with you. And we're going to talk about this in the morning because I don't quite believe that I'm awake right now. And so I went back to sleep and sure enough, the next morning I called him and literally for the next two weeks, I was walking a good like three foot higher than everybody else. I was on cloud nine. So, and, and it's not an apples to apples comparison. So you said that, you know, you hadn't boned up on Hawkman, you know, when you find out that you're Hawkman. Did you rewatch the movies? Do you say, okay, now I have to watch Clone Wars? Like what, what is your, like, I can't, I can't imagine. You're not allowed to tell anybody. You're not going to work right away. You're still doing something else. Yeah. I gotta, like Disney plus didn't exist at that point. Like what, what's, what's your, what's your Star Wars fandom at that stage of the Okay. World? This is another thing I have to be honest with. Um, I had I hadn't seen any of the movies. Oh God! <laughs> I, I mean, that's not true. That's not true. There's an asterisk. I had seen the Last Jedi with my American Gods 
friends wait that, of the nine movies that's the one you yeah, saw i'm sorry i'm sorry that's, oh that's i'm probably gonna upset a lot of people but that's just the truth of it um but when i was a kid i had always like they would show it at our daycare so like and I, and I was very active kid and i was always playing outside but anytime i came to get a snack or wash my hands i remember like clearly like you know, the battle, you know, the battle of Hoth or like what really stuck out to me was, you know, Princess Leia's hologram. And I was like, whoa, is this real? Like, is this technology like real? Right, right. Like, and so like, I got bits and pieces of it growing up. But once I got this, uh, the Mandalorian, I essentially binge watched as much as I could. And kid you not, like, I, I fell in love with it so hard. Yeah. and and but now as an I, adult that's amazing i yeah in the three years time like i went from not speaking the language at all to being conversational and now to having like a relative like sense of fluency where i can compete in some like trivia contest and and, and do oh, okay yeah? and all my own yeah <laughs> well that's yeah, gonna be just, the, you didn't know this podcast is gonna turn into a trivia so you're gonna have to come back now shoot um, <laughs> <laughs> i mean my, my my son and i he's five years old but we play this yeah. like thousand question trivia star wars question with each other and for the life and, of me i can't get my my two daughters they're 12 and 9 i can't get them into star wars like i tried the episode four five six i tried the one two three i couldn't get them into it and i think it's because there's this kid's book called uh, vader and his daughter and it's like these this little sketches, these illustrated sketches yeah. of like Darth Vader's like a father of a teenager. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I think if the author's Jeffrey Brown. Oh, it's Brown. called Vader's Little Princess. Vader's yeah. Little Princess. I think he does Goodnight Darth Vader or something like that as right. well. Yeah. And yeah. my daughter said to me, how can Darth Vader be such a bad guy? He's such a good dad. Sure. Yeah. Which is the no, biggest spoiler you don't want to know. You. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, not, it's not going yeah. to happen. Um, yeah. As much as you know, there's there's all these 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 things about this show. Um, when you're filming, did you know that the little guy with Baby Yoda, whatever you want to call it, would be such a big deal? Like you do experiments on Baby Yoda. Like mm -hmm. I had to ask Star Wars people if it was okay to have you on this show. Like you do some some mean things to this guy. But when I say beloved, like I think people love Baby Yoda more than they love the actual Yoda. Uh, oh, for sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't question that at all. Um, uh, that's like I know like, that's like saying Ken Griffey Jr. And, and Hank Aaron, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, different totally. Areas. Totally. Yeah. Um, I just, no, I don't think I had a sense of, I don't think anyone really, if I'm, if I'm being honest, like yeah. from what I gauged, like Please I don't think anyone, us. anyone quite knew like the sensation that that character was going to be. And from what I what I've listened to, like in different interviews, it wasn't until much later that they realized they should keep this a secret and yeah. to the point of like not even making toys for it. Right. Which was so, a huge. Like my wife works in licensing. She's like, how did they not? How did they hide this guy? Like, that's it's crazy. It was so well played. And it was. Uh, but, you know, I got to I got to be honest, like I dressed up my son as Yoda uh, that Halloween before the, the show came out. And, uh, you know, people were like, oh, look, he's Yoda. And in my mind, I'm like, no, he's a he's a walking like spoiler alert. <laughs> um, um, that's, that's a great line. <laughs> yeah. Um, but of course, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. But um, it's just I, I mean, it's hard. It's it's just the coolest thing to like to see that character in real life and to respond in 
because you know we when we shot it we shot two two ways it was one with the animatronic and one with tennis ball because oh, you know okay. there was a, there was the possibility of them using cgi which uh Werner Herzog put the fear in him not to uh <laughs> thankfully um and yeah yeah you saw the result it was it was worth every effort they went went to We'll be back with more of the Hall of Justice, but first, I have to tell you about another podcast I do, and yeah, we talk about it from time to time, but anybody who knows my career knows it's a sports broadcasting career. Yes, I love the Hall of Justice so much. I also started a podcast that is called Sports with Friends. It's a play on words, because my mother always played words with friends. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to see if I have as many friends in the industry that could come on a show and be open and honest and have a friendly chat? So I started the podcast and said every guest is a friend. But then I found out that some of my friends are in PR and they book guests for the show. They've asked me to put people I'm just meeting. So now every guest is a friend or a friend of a friend. We play Jewish Geography. Some of the past guests on this show can be really close friends like Dave Softy Mahler or Andrew Siciliano. And some of them are big icons that are also friends. Ken Griffey Jr. thinks he made my career. Martin Brodeur, the best goalie in the history of the NHL. And we also tackle big topics. We'll find out about cord cutting for a sports fan or the life and death of Kobe Bryant. And then there was Nancy Lieberman's appearance. What a story she had to tell. And then there's Eli Manning, who's been on the podcast five times and counting. All I know is if you listen to Sports with Friends, you'll hear some great guests. You'll hear so many stories, and you'll feel like you know not only them, but me. Check out Sports with Friends wherever you can get your podcasts. And if you're listening to this one, I guarantee you, you'll find Sports with Friends right there. It's what people who, again, grew up with this stuff. And you can tell John Favreau was a massive fan. And all the directors, you know, they were massive fans. And it, it, it's the same thing where you see modern things being done about properties that we all remember from growing up. Right. And it, ju it just uh, exists. You brought up uh, Werner Herzog. Just one nugget of what it was like to, to work with him and I found myself just wanting to hear him say things like that's a guy I could have read the phone book. And I know half the listeners <laughs> don't know what the hell a phone book is. I don't care. Oh, me does. He knows what I'm talking about. Like Werner Herzog could say anything. You know what he should be doing is it should he should be doing the ways voice. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure this generation will get that. Uh, I, I'm sure everybody would listen to what he said. <laughs> now I sound like an old man. That's wonderful. Good job, man. <laughs> But yeah, no, he's, uh, it was, and I, ha I was somewhat familiar with his work as, as a director. I didn't know him at all as an actor. Right. And the second he opened his mouth, I was buying everything he was saying. And I was turning to Deborah, who was the director. I was like, he's great. Like he's really, this is, he's, he's crushing this part. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it was, it was quite the blessing to get to, to work with him and actually, you know, anybody on that show. I'm a uh, last, huge last John thing, Favreau fan. Yeah. Last thing on the Mandalorian. I, yeah. Last thing, the the finale. Um, when you know finales are, are are such a weird thing because 
you know, sometimes it's you leave them wanting more. Sometimes it's like like a crescendo. But this mm. was like a crescendo times nine. Like that finale was the stakes were high. Everything was coming to a head. You knew there wasn't another episode. So it wasn't teasing anything. And are you the kind of person that like I can't listen to my podcast after I record them? I edit them. You know what I mean? I, I put them together. But once they're out into the into the world, they're they're out. Is that a kind of thing where you're watching and you get caught up in the emotion as well as your your own self-evaluator? For sure. Specifically with a show like The Mandalorian, where I, I'm not even given the scripts, even to the episodes I'm in. I'm just given the pages that have just my lines. Oh, get out. So that so that reveal uh, at the end. They don't trust anybody. They don't I mean, it's such a tight-lipped show as it should be. Um, I'm glad because, you know, if I get tortured, I have nothing to share with people. Um, um, but like my jaw was on the floor. Like I knew that some, something special was going to happen. And, and I just never in a million years thought it was going to be Luke Skywalker crying, you know? Um, so my, 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 my jaw was on the floor, like everybody else's. And I had to, my, my, I told my wife, excuse me, our son needs to see this part. Like, like, like so that's, that's a, it, it was crazy. That was yeah. still again, like that was twice. They literally threw people for a loop twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in in two years, and it was it was. And don't forget, you know, season two is in the heart of the pandemic, so everyone was stuck at home. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. like it's 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 in that situation where it was like this gift. You know, the, to, to come, it, it's like, you know, when these films, you know, we, we think about um, the way entertainment has come. One of the things I never understood during the whole lockdown was people watching like old things again and again and again and again. I'm like, there is a treasure trove of new stuff coming out. Like you literally could be the ultimate couch potato and see all of it. Like it just seems like there's so much and the timing it just seems to be a good time for all of these things yeah yeah no it was it, yeah the timing of when it aired it just brought so much joy and otherwise like i mean this year is this last year i'm sure i speak for almost everybody has been really hard so anytime you can have a like a, a, a you know a, a ray of light shine through those dark clouds you you take it and you soak in it and that's what i did yeah if you don't mind, before we wrap this up, um, yeah. I just have two quick uh, uh, topics uh, sure. that I wanted to, wanted to bring up. And the first one is um, it has to do with with stereotypes mm -hmm. and how to combat them. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like in such a, a, a visual medium as acting and mm -hmm. voice acting, for that matter, uh, it seems like people can judge you before they even meet you. Like they, mm -hmm. they have certain perceptions before they meet you. Mm -hmm. What has to happen? Does something like American Gods, like 24, uh, Homeland, uh, the Mandalorian, what has to happen for you not to be the Iranian actor to just being the guy from the Mandalorian? Like he's that guy, you know him, you've seen him. Right. It's, it's, it's a change in, I hate the word status, but I don't know the other word to say for it. What about the idea that in this changing times with things as as toxic as they are in society, just mining through this complicated web such as show business? Yeah, like, you know, I do want to I want to I want to credit the industry and the business, because I think 
a lot of them, a lot of people are headed, you know, have their head in the right place and we're headed in the right direction. And I think to answer your question, what needs to happen for, to break these kind of stereotypes and is, is more performances like Riz Ahmed's in The Sound of Metal, where you can take a character like that, his, his background, his ethnicity had nothing to do with the character. If, any, if you had actors show up to that audition, you can have actors of any skin color, white, black, dark. So you, you need to see more and more of those kind of, those kind of like actors and those kind of roles where you, you have to Google after the fact, oh, by the way, like, what was he? Like, they never mentioned his background in the movie. Right. right. So and, and Dr. Pershing is like that, too, you know, like yep. and that's what I love. I mean, that's why I love I mean, the world of Star Wars. You can escape all those kind of like those political narratives that are, you know, that are that take place in, in the shows of today. So so I just I think the more and more you see people of color, you know, of any color, like in just any roles, then then I think you start to break those barriers a little bit. Right. I think it's a testament. Um, and so that to transition this, and it's usually how I end the podcast, I wanted to ask your feelings, your, your thoughts on social media. <laughs> social media can be a great tool. It can be a wonderful thing. I, you know, I don't know where my career would be without it, mm-hmm. yet it has become so darn toxic and everything people say just turns into something bad. How do you feel about social media and is it like a necessary evil or is it something you embrace? Just I, I weigh think, in on social media. If you okay. Like. I appreciate it. I mean, this is me and this is just off the cuff. Obviously I haven't had time to come up with anything, but like to me, social media is like, like as a utility, like a knife where if you use it appropriately and use it right, it's very, very useful. But if you use it for other means to cut or to kill, then it becomes very toxic and to me personally, I, I'm very sensitive. Like I, I can't do too much of social media. I had to shut down my Instagram. I'm rarely on Twitter. For my mental health and my mental be- well-being, I have to limit how much I use it. And, but at the same time, I do see the benefits of it. Like take, you know, with what happened in India with their, their COVID crisis. And like they, they credited social media for getting the word out that, that, that people need help. So like in that essence that, yeah, I just think it's, it's just this powerful, powerful tool that's so new to us that we don't know quite how to use it efficiently. Um, and I think it's just going to be a process and it's going to be a long process. But right now it's, it's just as ugly as it is beautiful. I, I, I agree with you on the, 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 the social media breaks. I yeah. had to delete Facebook uh, for about six weeks during the summer just because I was seeing so many gross things that were really bothering me because it wasn't news people saying it. It was, it was people I knew that were saying yeah. stuff and it, 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 yeah. it, it can be uh, alarming, but I like that people find the podcast from social media. I've got to meet some really neat people from social media. So there, look, I overall, I remember being, I'll, I'll tell a quick story that I remember being at a New York Mets, Philadelphia Phillies game in 2011 and it was a Sunday night baseball. I was working with the Phillies at the time and the United States had captured bin Laden, mm-hmm. but it had not been confirmed. And the president of the Phillies runs into Ryan into the press box and sells all the TV, the radio, the broadcast, the writers, 
do not say anything on the air. Let's let's wait until this is verified. We don't want to be wrong on this. Like, just look, can we just, you know, muzzle it? For, so everybody in the media, the traditional media, uh, ignored it. And in the fifth inning, a sellout crowd of 55,000 people started chanting USA, USA, USA. And that I call that Twitter's greatest night because 55,000 people got a message <laughs> and nobody traditionally told them the message. And I was fascinated by it because, again, it was in its you know relative infancy. And it was 10 years ago. God, wow. Yeah, 10 years ago. And it had that strong of an impact. Right. And like, and what is and it now? And you yeah. see the way that happens. And it's just like, I just want people to use it responsibly. Just use yes, it. And yeah. yeah. Be your personality. Be who you are. And you know what? If you're an asshole, be an asshole. But just be authentic and don't just try to push a message that's all yeah 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 well having said that how can people find you online who are listening to this podcast just to just twitter i've narrowed it out to, I've narrowed it down to just twitter um i think it's just at uh abtahi omid um but like i said i'm not on there too too often uh, but I mean, when I, when I'm, I'm very grateful, when but you'll be sharing the show. podcast so that, that you'll, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Race yeah. Into that. I think, yeah, Gary's yeah. Gary, our, our publicity for DC is, he's really great about getting me on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, normally we say, uh, at the end of a podcast, I always say, if there's anything that you heard that you have an issue with, uh, do me a favor, reach out to Omi directly and leave me the <laughs> hell out of it. Uh, but he doesn't go on this. So you know what? If you reach out to him, he's not going to respond. So don't, don't even bother. <laughs> uh, Omid, thank you so much for, for, for doing this, for being here, for being so honest and transparent. Uh, congratulations on Justice Society. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, we, we, we've said that uh, on this show before. Congratulations on your other successes and all the future successes. And all I can say is come back to the podcast for, with even more good stories to tell. And uh, we'd love to help share your message, man. You got it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Seth. It was good talking to you. Thank you to all of the people who uh, subscribe. Thanks to our friends at Warner Brothers for helping set this podcast up. Don't forget, in the show notes, you can see the link to get Justice Society World War II. Uh, it's available on digital, and it's coming out next week. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast when it's released, you're, uh, it's coming out next week on Blu-ray and DVD and all the other traditional ways of seeing a movie. And see it. It's a really, really good film. Uh, that's that'll do it for this edition of the hall of justice more on justice society next week as we continue thanks for listening we'll see you next time Believe it or not, I'm walking on it.